Hello and welcome along to On The Whistle. We are Africa's biggest football braai. And boy, oh boy, do we have the calls nice and hot and smoldering for you today. We have a very special guest in Arafat Haji, the vice president of Yanga, the young Africans from Tanzania. Arafat, we'll get to you in a minute. So thank you for joining us. And for those out there who are listening, please don't forget to message us on our social media accounts, OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can find us at YouTube at the On The Whistle podcast and Facebook. Just search for that. For that. Really easy. Joining me today to speak to Arafat is the one and only Francis Nkwayin, our sports media executive in Yawunde, Cameroon. And of course, Alistair Howarth, the one, the only, the young buck. We love having you here. Our cross-platform, multi-talented producer, journalist, and part-time host trying to get me out. Guys, we have a very special podcast ahead of us. I hope you both are well. Doing very well, Zane. An absolute pleasure being around the bride with the family again. And a real, real honor to be in the presence and company of Arafat, who uh, is one of those people we've admired from afar for many years. And congratulations to you, first of all, for the treble win. Zena, you know, this is this is a hard podcast for me as, as someone from Kenya to, to have to have a conversation about the success in Tanzania of, of a really good football club. It hurts. I'm not going to lie. But uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy Arafat's uh, agreed to join us today. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is what I was building up. Drum roll, please. Our triple winner, our man from the young Africans, younger Arafat Haji, the vice president of the club, the man who makes the hard decisions, the man who's there to lift the trophies, and the man who's going to go for another treble next year with this amazingly talented team. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Zain, uh, Francis, and uh, Alice there. Uh, I'm not sure if you have noticed uh, the interesting uh, part about this uh, team that I'm being interviewed with today. Zain, your second name matches exactly like our former coach. Yes, it does. Nabi. <laughs> well, you know, this we're prophets. You know, prophets in a way that we take you to the future. And I have to ask you about that because Arafat, obviously, this is an incredible period for your club. It is one that has seen great glory that's built on hard work. But I have to ask you, I mean, really younger and Simba, your, your arch rivals have emerged over the last half decade almost seemingly from nowhere to be challenging with the very best on the continent. We had Simba beating Al Ahli a couple of years ago and Younger reaching the CAF Confederation Cup final. What has led to this revival, in a sense, of Tanzanian football? Well, uh, uh, again, thank you very much uh, for this honor of inviting me to this podcast. And uh, most importantly, is being able to speak about uh, the Tanzanian football uh, outside our usual perimeters that uh, the football is spoken, I mean, in Tanzania. So it's uh, definitely a warm pleasure for me to be here. Uh, talking of uh, Tanzanian football, uh, especially touching base on the two major clubs in Tanzania, both clubs that uh, back in 1930s where Yanga was... Uh, uh, born in February 1935, and uh, later on, a year later, Simba uh, was uh, established. Uh, almost uh, 88 years of uh, existence. Uh, 
but uh, both clubs have not been able to I would say in the past they were, but uh, over the last uh, two or three decades, the clubs have not been able to hit uh, the highest level in the continental football. Uh, over recent uh, years, we have seen uh, major, major investments uh, in the Tanzanian football. Uh, within the region, uh, especially East Africa and, uh, oh, I, I, would, I would rather say Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, uh, the Tanzania uh, NBC Premier League is uh, the only league that is broadcasted on each and every game during the season. So, and that uh, was gradually uh, built up uh, over the last uh, ten years uh, when we saw other media uh, coming on board to invest uh, in the Tanzanian media industry, but uh, with concentration in uh, Tanzanian football. That gave uh, clubs uh, an opportunity to start uh, getting an extra revenues uh, to start investing and uh, recruiting players outside uh, Tanzania. But uh, getting interest uh, from various countries uh, across uh, the continent, uh, the continent uh, watching our league, and thus the emergency and uh, uh, seeing our league now, our teams uh, being. Uh, uh, popular around uh, this side of the world, uh, especially from the uh, sub-Saharan uh, uh, part of Africa. Uh, however, with uh, our team, uh, younger to be specific, and definitely I won't be talking about uh, Simba because they've got a lot to learn from us. Uh, <laughs> Getting in the shots early. Oh, there's fighting talk right there. Where, where's Dylan Kerr when we need him? The Maromo Gallons coach. We used to be out coaching Simba and friend of the show. Where is he to defend the Simba honor? <laughs> <laughs> he will. He, he, he will definitely tell tell you the same because uh, we showed who we are when we met him in Tanzania, and then we met him in uh, in South Africa. We really showed him what what, what younger is. And uh, during his uh, record in Tanzania, he never he, he never won against us, and until now, he has never won against younger. <laughs> Listen, we always say we round the bry, and this is football's biggest bry. But we are cooking, we are smoldering, and you are just the right person to be sitting at the top table with us, Arafat. <laughs> but but I have Thank to you ask much, you, what, what are the building blocks to a successful team and a league when there previously was one? I mean, what was it that was done to give Yanga the best opportunity to succeed and build what would be fair to say a dynasty, which you currently have? Um, I'll, I'll take you back uh, uh, around 2018, 2019 season. Uh, Yanga went through an extremely tough uh, financial conditions uh, where the club was surviving through donations from its fans and members. Uh, fans would mobilize uh, donations across uh, our branch network to make sure that the team survives, the team is able to travel uh, in various uh, regions in the country. Uh, so during that time, around 2018-2019 uh, season, a group of a uh, few elites uh, started to mobilize uh, fellow elite members uh, to see how they can help the club get out of that situation. And uh, that's when uh, the likes of myself uh, and other uh, elite members uh, in terms of uh, 
various uh, places from Tanzania uh, thought and uh, decided that uh, it is the right time now uh, for us to, 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 to stop uh, helping the club outside and rather getting into the club uh, to see how we can help the transformation. And uh, we went uh, into the elections in 2019. Uh, we had uh, a leadership uh, elected by the members of the club. Uh, our system then allowed every member of the club to attend uh, the meeting and uh, elect uh, chairperson, deputy chairperson and the other board members. And so from there, that's when we started to draw the map of uh, how do we get this club out of here. The club with a very strong roots, a very strong history in the country. Uh, being in that situation, it was, uh, it, it was awful. And uh, everyone said, no, we should never go back to that situation. And then from there, we started to draw the map, as I said started to identify which are the potential revenue lines that we can explore to see how the club survives and being able to run on its own rather than uh, depending on a few uh, sponsors or few uh, people who, who, who will be uh, getting the money from their pockets to help the club uh, survive. Uh, b before I proceed, you know, the w one good thing about uh, these two Tanzanian clubs here, for Tanzanians, these clubs are like uh, a religion. So people believe and have strong beliefs uh, in these clubs. And uh, in a family, when you see a family of a younger, it will definitely be throughout everyone in the family will be a younger member. So that's how deep these clubs are here. So from there, then uh, we started uh, one, one of the line items we said, the club has got a potential of members uh, of around almost 30 million uh, potential members uh, in Tanzania. 30 By then, million. Our, our, that's 30 huge. million. That's very, very huge. So, and by then our population in Tanzania was at around 50, 50 55 million, uh, 52 million uh, Tanzanians. Uh, so, one we start, we started to identify the revenue lines who are the potential long-term uh, partners in terms of uh, sponsors. And then for the first time in 2019, uh, we saw this club uh, coming out with its own replica kits being sold uh, in the market. Prior to that, the club never sold uh, replicas to the market. It, it, it was just uh, depending on a few business uh, uh, tycoons in the country to just give uh, kits to the team and then person B and uh, sell them off to the market without the club earning anything. So to some extent, individuals were benefiting, but the club was never benefiting from its own source of revenue. And then gradually we started to bring on board uh, uh, potential sponsors. And this is what, I, what I'm trying to say is uh, the success that uh, we achieved uh, this season was a project that uh, started uh, from... 2019 and uh, uh, and until now in uh, 2022 season 2023 we reaped uh, the fruits of the investments that we had we had done so we brought on board uh, a sponsor who is a business tycoon in Tanzania GSM group of companies we enhanced uh, our contract from our main sponsor Sport Pesa and then Azam Media came on board with a 
very very lucrative deal by then in Tanzania which was almost uh, by then it was almost 20 million dollars uh, for 10 years uh, sponsorship uh, it's a, it's it's a, yeah so that's uh, to provide and give the club uh, stability in terms of uh, that's a future cash, cash flows and uh, revenues uh, sport pesa also came on mm. board uh, almost tripled the amount of sponsorship uh, that they were giving 5 years ago we saw the likes of gsm uh, and then from there we said okay now it's time to do the transformation of the club and uh, we looked around uh, the model of uh, ownership of the clubs in Tanzania. Uh, we researched and uh, we came up with a plan that we partner with uh, La Liga to help us uh, in giving us the experience on how uh, such clubs are being run uh, through La Liga in Spain. And uh, through La Liga, we partnered with uh, Sevilla. Uh, they helped us in... Uh, how we can run our transformation, which modality of transformation suits uh, younger. Uh, as I said, younger is originally or was originally owned by the by its members. Uh, a member pays uh, the annual subscription. Of, uh, before we changed the constitution, it was uh, 12,000 uh, shillings uh, per annum, which is around $5 uh, per annum. Uh, until when in 2020, when we changed the constitution, we uh, doubled it to ten dollars uh, per annum, uh, where a member uh, pays uh, a contribution. And uh, we thought, okay, how do we, as part of the transformation, it had its own pillars. We had uh, fans engagement. Uh, we had uh, football development. So the core of what the the, the core of your funding is obviously split between you know corporate sponsorship tv rights but talk us through a little bit about how this model works for fans and what they pay and what they get and how you keep them putting the money in because some fans might be sitting there going hang on why are we giving you money when you've got all this money coming in from everywhere else so you know how they buy into what you're doing at younger uh, our model uh, which we adopted uh, we've got almost uh 900 branches across uh, Tanzania and our model is uh, for a branch to qualify it needs to have uh, a minimum of 100 active members a minimum of 100 active members for that branch to qualify being classified as a branch so what do we do to this branch to remain active for them to keep on uh, paying their membership fees we have given uh, branches uh, voting rights for their for their president, vice president, and uh, five uh, executive members uh, to represent the club. Uh, I'll speak later on uh, the investment model, model that we, we, we have uh, adopted to run. So these members, uh, I mean branches, uh, they are also elect branch leaders. Each branch is entitled to elect five leaders who will represent the branch into the general uh, annual meeting and... Uh, these members who are elected at branch levels are having uh, voting rights to choose, I mean, I mean to elect uh, the leaders for the club. And hence, uh, they remain active because they are the ones making decisions on who should be the leader uh, of the club. And our elections are held uh, after every four years. But uh, remember I said uh, in Tanzania, these clubs are like... Uh, 
a religion. So people believe and have uh, faith in their, in their clubs. But the interesting part is our ownership structure is uh, 51% over 49%. Uh, 49% uh, belongs to investors and uh, 51% uh, belongs to the funds or uh, sorry members to be precise. So through the membership fee you pay, uh, the uh, $10 uh, for instance that you pay, you are automatically a shareholder of the club. So that's how these uh, members are obliged to keep on uh, paying for their membership fees. Uh, and the 49% that uh, is left for the members, we had categorically put it that uh, no one uh, investor can own more than 12.25% of the club value. So a minimum of uh, four investors are required to be in the club. This all to make sure that the club does not shift from its original structure of uh, members uh, being the owner of the club and uh, letting uh, it slip to, uh, to other uh, people's hands to maintain that uh, structure. And this is why in Tanzania we call it uh, Club Yawananchi, meaning the club that is owned by the people. If, if I may interject, it's like it's very rare we get somebody on this show and we fall silent. It, it's beautiful to hear you speak. I'm, I'm a big advocate for the introduction of business into football, at least the thinking behind it. And I think one of the challenges we've had as Africans is we've had more heart than head in our clubs. And so, like you say, football is a religion across our continent. And when I hear you speak, I think about a country like mine. I come from Cameroon. And we have these mythical clubs um, that just haven't taken the time out to build structures that respond to the need and that can galvanize a fan base that actually exists. My question to you is, we're talking about 2018, 2019. We have four years since then. To see such transformation in a short time, my question is two-pronged. Was this surprising to you how effective the strategy you proposed in 2019 has been in terms of the results you've had on the pitch and off the pitch in terms of galvanizing your fan base? Because something you touched on, which I want to allude to as well, is the question of merchandise. Um, I think a lot of our clubs fail because they miss the price points and they miss the access points to purchase. The second point, uh, problem of my question is, beyond the four years that you had, maybe from 2019 to present, what is the vision beyond this success of this year, maybe over the next 10 years, for a club like Yanga, not just within the region, maybe internationally, like crossing your borders, and why not? Looking at what FIFA is trying to do, we've got the African Super League that is being tossed into the pot. We've got the FIFA. What do they call that thing now again? Alistair? Club World Cup. Are these kind of things fitting into your ambition beyond the present? I know it's a, it's a bit much, I've had to say, but help me. Well, uh, I, I'll start uh, from the first uh, question uh, on how we identified uh, those opportunities. And uh, this is, again, something uh, 
what we worked on and uh, maybe this will help uh, as you said other African countries uh, we did our research and uh, in Tanzania especially on the uh, to, to touch on the subject of uh, replicas uh, uh, when we said that there's an opportunity in uh, selling our own replicas uh, we analyzed uh, a, a, a how how our people in terms of uh, what is it that they can afford how uh, what brand can we bring in into the market and our firms can outright uh, feel that they can afford and i'll give you a very interesting uh, uh, story on that uh, when we started uh, so and and you'll be surprised to note that we are not wearing uh, nike puma umbro none of these that we are wearing uh, it's uh, a brand that was uh, made by a local supplier uh, one of which also after seeing the numbers who, who he then also decided to be part of our sponsor so we have uh, a custom made uh, based on the what our market uh, can afford and uh, in 2009 when we launched our very first official kit we th we, we thought this would be whatever we launched would be very expensive uh, to our people. And then we said, okay, let's do two uh, types of uh, replicas. We do one uh, higher end and uh, second on a low end where everyone can afford. Immediately when we brought uh, second uh, class uh, replicas, it didn't move in the market. Everybody <laughs> said, no, 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 we want, uh, the, we want same, uh, the same quality, the higher quality. So as of now we are only bringing single quality uh, type of replicas but which are affordable our people can afford but with quality and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure Ali, Ali has been following up all our kits that we have been issuing for the last four years are coming with a story of the club each kit that we are coming out uh, in the market comes out with a story uh, for instance uh, one of our replica kit uh, one of the kit that we have sold in this uh, season was having signatures of all our club legends so that everyone uh, who has been supporting younger from the people who are 80 of, uh, i mean 60 70s uh, of, of, of years of age young guys everyone feels that they, they, they want to buy that kit because they feel the history the other design was, uh, as part of our transformation, is to make sure that we are bringing close our branches. So we came up with a concept of uh, branch network, where everyone, every of our branch, our branch was featured uh, in our kit. And then our third kit was uh, talking about the history of the country, key uh, key. Uh, areas of the country that was also playing part in advertising the country tourism so everyone felt that whenever they're wearing that kit they, they felt something in their in their in their selves and the pride of wearing the kit for their club so every year we have been doing that to make sure that we are maintaining uh, uh, the, the demand in the market and uh, in the history of Tanzanian football uh, this year when we were, we were playing uh, our CAF uh, group stage, we, we were required by the regulations of CAF, CAF not to wear a, a betting company. So we decided to design uh, 
a new kit specifically for the calf competitions with another sponsor higher and that kit was sold at around uh, 50,000 Tanzanian shillings close to $22 we have never sold a kit in Tanzania 20 plus dollars it was never done before and immediately when we bought the kit we we, we bought them as a as a teaser with a very small amount of around 25,000 kits Overnight, they were all sold out. Uh, so immediately, the next uh, few weeks, we had to make sure we are importing uh, additional uh, kits because the demand was huge. So that was also testing the market. Uh, how would market uh, react when we bring something like this? And every year when we're bringing this, because people have already seen the quality, they've already seen the beauty of the concepts that we are selling to them, they are always uh, making sure that they are the first. And from the day we started launching our kits, the first day is always a chaos. Uh, we, we sell on average 100,000 kits on the first day of uh, launching. Uh, in terms of uh, our vision, uh, as I said, it was a project which started uh, four years ago. And uh, our vision, uh, which is also... And our president's uh, vision of the club is to see the younger, uh, young African sports club become a powerhouse in African football. Uh, that's why we have been uh, signing players across uh, the continent. We are now going to invest uh, on a very large state-of-the-art, the only owned uh, best uh, football uh, stadium in the country, uh, a, a project that we are going to start uh, soon. Uh, with a capacity of around 20,000 seaters, but a very modern facility to be built uh, on our uh, our Jangwani areas where the cl our club was uh, started. Uh, it, it's at the heart of the city, so that we make sure that the club can be financially stable, has got very stable financial lines, as I mentioned earlier. This will enable us to now continue with our journey of transformation but making sure we we keep on attracting talents across africa and being able to compete uh, in africa we, we went to the final this year it's not easy on our very first year of uh, going into the uh, confederations cup uh, and uh, straight going to the uh, to the final uh, it was never done before in tanzania and, and, and that because we built a squad of players that have got hunger, a squad of players that have got motivation, the squad of players that value the history of the club to be among the history makers of the club and take the club to the top level. Our goal, our vision is to see younger now competes regularly in the African continental football, but we don't want to end there. We are very much uh, having the Club World Cup in uh, Horizon. Uh, we, we, we want to make sure that we improve the value of the club. We attract more sponsors, especially multinational sponsors. We, we have been doing uh, media tours uh, wherever we are going uh, during these competitions to make sure that we advertise, we promote uh, the club uh, so that we are able to attract more sponsors. We get the people who are, who are not even following the club to start following the club. You would have seen, uh, I'm not sure if uh, Ali had shared the pictures, when we did our parade, we mobilized the highest 
ever football parade done in East Africa or rather in Central, uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa. And we did it twice in the same week. And each day what that we did, the turnout was massive, very huge. That's what we are trying to build, the powerhouse in Africa. And I mean, seeing the images were just incredible of the kind of, we were joking in the group chat um, about how Guzain was busy. He was covering the, the Manchester City um, parade. And we were An saying that, experience. Yeah, and we were saying uh, the the Anga bus uh, bus parade makes makes Man City look like they're in a village. You know, they're just doing the village tour compared compared to Yanga. But but, but, but Ali, I know you're going to come with your question now. So mine's more of a comment. Having been in Manchester, caught up in that treble win, Francis. Francis, are you there? Francis, hello, Francis. Did City win? But camera stop. Camera stop. <laughs> Cameras, oh, what timing, what timing. What you don't know, Arafat, is that Francis is a huge Man U fan, so City success, I'm just throwing a bit of shade. He, he's like shade. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's another, another podcast is, is there, are there any real City fans or have they just emerged? But anyway. That's a topic for every day. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would say is, listen, it was a pleasure to be in Manchester, seeing the parade, seeing the plays, enjoying it. Seeing the blue half celebrate something, I mean, Manchester's got to be the football capital of the world, given the success you've had United and City and the dominance we're now seeing in the domestic game and also filtering into Europe. But what I thought could have been maybe done a little better was giving the fans a longer time to celebrate. And that's when Ali was sharing the pictures of what you guys were doing. And I think connecting with the fans... I know some of them are members who pay, but that's invaluable in getting the next generation of fan to wear your colors and not the other side um, of, of, of the city. But that was my comment, and I just wanted to compliment you on that. So, Ali, um, you probably have a question. Uh, Zane, please. Sorry, sorry, Ali. Oh, no, no. Oh, geez, Francis is in now. Here we go. Right. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't need I to speak. To pick I'm just logging that you made. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just to pick up on the point that you made. I'm a firm mm. believer that the world has a lot to learn from Africa. And in that moment, those were one of those moments that I loved that we were sharing that in that group. And I was sharing that with the people I was with where I was. And we were all looking from the outside in and saying to ourselves, there are these tremendous opportunities for the powers that be, so to speak, to understand that we, first of all, must like what it is that we have. And I think the magic around Yanga and Simba, forgive me for saying this, and the energy that they bring into Tanzanian football is mm -hmm. a sense of ownership that people do love the game and they mm -hmm. love the game that they consume locally in the same way, with the same effervescence that they love the game that has been force-fed to us, that we are told this is the best coming from outside in. And I think that we have a lot of lessons to learn in how we also export mm -hmm. ourselves and what it is that we have to offer to a wider audience beyond our shores. You know, you spoke of your partnership with La Liga, um, and I hear La Liga all over the place in Africa. We travel a lot, um, and I find it sad that houses like the Premier League cede ground to operations like La Liga, who, in spite of the baggage that they carry with things like racism, when we look at just the season with Vinicius uh, Jr. and their responses to it, they're still able to connect with our continent in a way that 
the number one league in the world fails to do. And so very often it's a source of frustration for me because you look at them and you say, it's not because we don't have our own, but we choose to consume your product because it's nice. But there's something you can learn as well from us, like Zane just said, how you connect with fans differently because that is one of the great problems the Premier League is suffering from. There is this disconnect between fans and their clubs, the lack of feeling of ownership, which they don't have in Germany. The Germans have this model where their fans feel as entitled to the successes and failures of their clubs as the players and the ownership. So forgive me if I ran my mouth. And uh, uh, I would want to echo what uh, Francis has just said that, uh, and again, when we did this parade uh, for the first time ever in, uh, in Tanzania, Everybody was shocked, uh, especially on Twitter, where people were like, is this really Africa? Is this happening uh, in Africa? You, uh, Coach Pizzo was amazed. He, he was like, uh, he was very impressed that uh, such e events can be taking place in Africa. And uh, on the very same season, uh, Pizzo had to travel all the way from uh, South Africa to attend our Mwananchi Day in uh, in Dar es Salaam. You can imagine on uh, such an event uh, where we normally start kick start our season. Uh, the capacity of the stadium is uh, sixty thousand, and we are able to fill in that stadium with sixty thousand younger fans alone. So yes, uh, as Francis said, uh, there are elements of uh, what uh, people can. Uh, learn from this part of the world and uh, see that uh, there is that potential uh, and talking of la liga they are very active uh, on the ground in africa uh, trying to get people to follow their league uh, uh, trying to get closer to the uh, african continent uh, selling various products uh, and that's when uh, we partnered with them yeah, and, and Arafat, what, one of the things that I kind of want to know then, and again, this might be a, a, a frustrating question for you is, you know, Yanga have done so well, but your success in many ways wouldn't exist in the same way without Simba. Because if you were just one team steamrolling the league every year, you know, say like in Bayern Munich in Germany, you know, the league becomes really boring and becomes uninteresting. And even the fans of the, that club itself turn away. So for you, you know, how do you see Simba and that rivalry kind of what is the relationship like? Because obviously you're two teams that are so big, you know, and as you, you know, you reminded us, you were the first one, even if by a few months, you know, and Simba's the little brother. And, and you know, you've seen that success, but but you also kind of need each other because you need that rivalry to, to keep the league itself and Tanzanian football kind of keeping on growing. Uh, one, uh, I must... Uh upload uh, as a media, as I mentioned earlier, for uh, investing in our in our league. Uh, they, their investment has uh, enabled not only Yanga and Simba, but all the clubs uh, to be able to have uh, financial stability. Uh, back in, in, in years, uh, you would only see Yanga and Simba uh, signing foreign players, but now even the team that is getting relegated is able to sign foreign players. Uh, so that's a development uh, and uh, that's uh, bringing the competitiveness and competition uh, within the league. And uh, us at Yanga, we have always uh, 
enjoyed uh, beating Simba when they are best rather than when they are not doing very well. And uh, we, we always uh, pray and wish that uh, all the teams uh, participating in the league uh, are stable and are, co- are able to bring competition. And that is why I believe without uh, this uh, strong competition uh, in our own league, we wouldn't have been able to uh, compete in a continental level for us to have reached uh, to the level we reached uh, uh, this year. Uh, That is reflecting the investments that were done by various clubs uh, in uh, in our league, not only Simba. Uh, We saw Azam last year uh, signing very good players, uh, very talented players, uh, we saw the, the, the emergence of a new club uh, like Singida United, uh, Singida Big Stars, sorry, uh, formerly Singida United. They were able to uh, to bring competition into the league. Uh, they were able to challenge uh, all the big clubs uh, in the league. So that's uh, very healthy uh, for our league, but for our football as well. And it it's giving that uh, uh, competing edge and... Uh, sharpness whenever we are going uh, to play the, at international level. So definitely without uh, a very strong league, uh, we wouldn't be able to challenge uh, the big names uh, in Africa. Nobody, nobody thought that we would be able to beat Mazembe uh, the way we beat them, uh, home and away. Mazembe were never beaten at their home. We went uh, in uh, DRC and we beat Mazembe at their home. We beat them at home 3-1. We went and beat them at... Uh, in Congo, uh, we played uh, Rivers in Nigeria. They were never defeated in their country before. We did that uh, this season. So it's a reflection of uh, the size, the types of investments that are happening in Tanzanian football. I wanted to ask a question about, you speak about investment, um, and you touched on the fact that you're looking to build your own stadium. 25,000, you said, or... 20,000. 20,000 seaters. Okay. So what is the thinking behind your infrastructure play, for example? Um, you have your training facility associated to this, or will you be using the stadium as your training center as well as the stadium for the games? And why just 20,000 when you have so many fans? Well, uh, the thinking is... Uh, well. Uh, I would start uh, with our vision that we have. Uh, one of our drivers that we want to build uh, for the future success of the team is uh, to invest in our youth uh, development. Uh, so the thinking of coming up with uh, our own uh, facility, uh, and definitely you would ask yourself why a 20,000-seater if uh, we're having that uh, huge fan base uh, in our research that we did was uh, on average uh, when we play league games uh, we are normally getting uh, fans uh, around uh, save for the derby I mean derby against Simba and uh, against Azam we are normally getting around uh, 15 to 20,000 spectators on a regular day Uh, during derbies we go uh, as as far as uh, 60 plus uh, thousand and uh, for us now we thought Let's start somewhere at uh, 20,000, and for any other bigger games, we'll be using uh, the national stadium. That's the thinking. But uh, another thinking is we've got another uh, huge plot that we are having uh, 
slightly outside uh, the outskirts of the, uh, the the city of Dar es Salaam. That's where we are going to, in future, put a very huge uh, facility. But that is that will be catered specifically for uh, development of our youth, our female uh, teams, our younger uh, future uh, potential young African players. So th that's uh, basically the thinking of uh, what we are trying to put uh, at our main uh, uh, plot in uh, Dar es Salaam with Jagwani. And Arafa, I, I, you know, this this is incredible. Like kind of Francis said earlier, this journey from, you know, just like, you know, I, I, I remember in what, 2018, it was Yanga losing in the group stage of the Confederation Cup to Gormaya, was a, losing home and away. And then we look at the difference between the two teams now. I mean, again, I, I won't say too much as a, as a very sour Kenyan. Declare but... an interest, declare an interest. <laughs> but kind of for you guys looking forward, you know, you're seeing, you know, the, the pursuit of trying to see success on the continent. I did want to ask, you know, one thing that we've talked a lot about on the show, even before it was kind of formally announced, was the, the idea of the African Super League. And, and this idea of kind of rebranding the, the way in which African football is kind of like we've talked about being repackaged for, to the world. But one of the things we've seen is worries about it being a bit of a closed shop. And then even this year starting, you know, seeing that potentially Simba is being put into that, in, into, the, into the Super League and Yanga isn't. And obviously from a CAF perspective, especially when they're just kicking off, you know, they can't have more than one team from a country. For you guys seeing, you know, this... A as the as the team that we you know we've won the 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 you know Premier League twice in a row we won the cup we won the Community Shield we've been in the Confederation Cup final Simba haven't been there you know how do you feel about a the Super League and potentially what could happen in terms of you not being a part of it particularly at the beginning? Well, uh, it, it has always been our wish. A moment uh, Super League was uh, announced that it would uh, take place uh, in Africa. We have done, or we have tried to see how we as younger uh, can participate. Uh, but as you said, uh, from CAF's uh, point of view, is uh, they were looking at the for the last three years, which are the teams that uh, featured uh, very well in the continent, and definitely we were not uh, on uh, uh, on top at that time. And uh, during that particular time, it's when we started our project of rebuilding the club. Uh, Fortunate enough, our, our our neighbors they were playing at that level. They were always uh, in the quarterfinals of the competition. Uh, however, nobody is clear on uh, whether it will be there or not. Uh, will it take place this year? There are still other uh, discussions uh, being uh, around that uh, they will change the model into uh, instead of eight teams now thinking of twenty four teams which will be played in uh, various blocks uh, for, 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 for the confederations. For instance, there'll be a block of Sekafa for East African uh, teams to compete uh, in, in qualifying to the Super League. And we believe uh, with what CAF have uh, recently seen in the, uh, in the African football, maybe that would be the approach that they would take. But 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 Arafat, if you let, let, let's bring in the fan perspective, the Green Army walking on the streets of Dar es Salaam, they're going to be saying, and you know, I see that smile. 
the best team in the country is not in the Super League. You know they're going to be saying that, right? In in Algeria, they uh, people in Algeria they also say that uh, the best team was denied of uh, the cup. Uh, we showed Africa that we were the best and we deserved uh, to win uh, the cup during that final. We were robbed, and uh, it is uh, what the what the game got us. <laughs> He's having none of it. <laughs> oh, Arafat is good. He's good. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> he just sidestepped that really nicely. <laughs> no, but it, you make some really good points when you were just speaking early on. It's, it's a fascinating time, in all honesty. And this conversation around the, the Super League, I think no matter what, it will take shape in some form over the coming decade, let's put it that way, and it will grow. And I think it's nice to know that clubs like yours will most definitely be involved in some shape, not just out of desire, but because of a right, because you deserve to be amongst the elite of African football. And to watch the progression is, is truly humbling. It really is. As, as people who are involved in the game, and I travel a lot across Africa. We were just recently in Rwanda. And the conversation around Tanzanian football was raised uh, with some of our Rwandan counterparts. Because we were talking about the element, which I want to ask you, of a sense of a Pan-African play that connects African talent to itself, first of all, before we look at the outside world. So to that point... Um, your club, you had, I'm right in saying you had, a Tunisian coach. Am I right? A Tunisian, yes. Yes. Um, Nazaruddin Nabi. Yes, yes. He's like cousin. me. Yes. You're, you're He's amazing. Cousin, right? it's, just, it's just in Tunisia, they don't spell it like we do in South Africa. He's only it doesn't one. matter how it's spelled. It's your brother. <laughs> so the point I was trying to, or what I was trying to raise with you is, as a club, how do you see yourselves accompanying the mission that is the desire of many Africans to see our borders almost come down a little bit? Because even the, the play with the Super League and with CAF is this ability for us to see ourselves as one. You mentioned the fact that now even the club being relegated in Tanzania is in the position to buy non-nationals and invite other players from other nationalities to come and play in Tanzania. How does Yanga position itself in this particular narrative? What is your ambition around the ability for a Cameroonian, a South African, a Kenyan to see themselves also saying, I want or I believe I can go and play. I can have a place in that club. I can support by its merchandise, whether or not I could go and open up a branch with $10 a piece. I'm sure I could get 100 people together and we start a, a, a younger branch here in Yaoundé in no time. But how do you, as a leader of a club, see your club playing its part in this exploitation of this sense of pan-Africanism that a lot of clubs are in the position to lead their gender role? Uh, very, very interesting uh, question and uh, point, uh, Francis. Uh, 
if I can take you back uh, in history, uh, when this club was started, uh, according to various literatures in Tanzania, uh, younger wars started by the liberation of freedom fighters uh, in, uh, in Tanzania. And uh, to mark that, uh, the place where I said we're going to build our own uh, stadium is called Kaunda. Uh, Kaunda was uh, uh, he, 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 Kenneth Kaunda from uh, Zambia, former Zambian uh, president. Uh, so that was because uh, of the history and the part our club played in liberation of uh, uh, of African countries. But uh, uh, fast forward, uh, and uh, again, uh, I think uh, among the very few leagues in Africa. Our, our our teams are allowed to sign up to four up to 12 uh, foreign players uh, and all 12 uh, foreign players sorry 12 cannot play but I, uh, 11 uh, can play uh, on a single game uh, with one remaining on the bench that to bring that test of African football to attract more players uh, from various uh, countries uh, in Africa getting the permits uh, there are no limitations or uh, stringent uh, rules or regulations uh, in getting the permits for other african players to come and play uh, for young africa or any team in tanzania uh, when we were playing in uh, in CAF uh, confederations cup when we were moving around in uh, other countries uh, for instance i'll give you an example when we went to congo we opened uh, branches there in Congo, membership members' branches in Congo. And people were requesting for merchandise uh, to be sent to Congo. I'll, tell, I'll, I'll give you another example. When we were going to Nigeria at the airport, we met a guy and asking, which team are you? We, we, we told him we are young African. The guy was very excited knowing that we are young. And we asked him why. He said, you guys have made me rich. In every game that you are playing, I bet in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always been winning the bets because of you. So you can see that the continent, because of uh, the type of players, we, I mean the players which we are signing from different countries uh, in, in Africa, they, they, they take that, local, that, that content back uh, at their home. In Uganda, uh, there are fans who have opened branches. I've, I've met uh, a leader of our branch in from Uganda, he came to attend uh, our uh, first leg of the final here in, in Dar es Salaam. He said that they, they've got like 2,000 members in Uganda for Yanga. Uh, they've got shops uh, selling Yanga merchandise. And in our planning, we we, we are evolving and uh, trying to now adopt the pre-season uh, tours uh, across uh, the region rather than just doing the pre-seasons at home or just or going uh, outside the continent of Africa. We are coming with a plan of making sure our pre-seasons are done within the region so that we can mobilize new fans, we can get new, uh, new members from different uh, uh, countries. Our, we've got players coming from as far as West Africa. We've got players coming from Congo. We have got players coming from uh, 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 from Zambia, from uh, Uganda. Unfortunately, now we don't have anyone from Kenya. Alan. Uh, uh, so we, we are trying to build that Pan-African uh, uh, 
club of a style where Africans uh, can be supporting football within their own continent. They can be following the football within the countries that are nearby. And again, I would give that uh, uh, due credit to Azam again. Uh, Azam Media is now being broadcasted in Kenya, Uganda, Zambia, Malawi, Congo. Even in Cameroon. Uh, even in Cameroon, you see? So people are yeah. watching uh, the football across. I, I've, I've got friends who are using my uh, o o online credentials to watch uh, uh, Azam through Azam app from other countries where Azam is not there. People are gradually yeah. starting. Back then, people were not able to watch because our own uh, broadcasters were not broadcasting uh, African football. They were selectively broadcasting mm -hmm. some leagues, but now we've got broadcasters who are broadcasting our own leagues uh, in Africa. So that g brings appetite, but you attract more players because players want to be seen playing. Yes, in a league that their families want to watch exactly. them play. people watching them play so they look at which league is uh, being broadcasted I, I, I said uh, over 300 games are being broadcasted live we are, on the very last day of the, of the league all games are being played at the same time all are being broadcasted live so you can imagine the amount of uh, investment that investment. has been done yeah. being able to broadcast such number of uh, games Attracts, uh, yeah, attracts people to come in. Uh, so as they broadcast the games more and more and people watch, they, do you have any ambition? Because now the Premier League have said, as of this season, they can take four players straight from anywhere in the world. You can put them into a Premier League club, up to four players. You don't need to pass those their home office tests for the visa. Haven't played for your national team X amount of time. If the club says we like this player, we're having them. Are we going to be seeing any former uh, younger players making the move into the Premier League? Like young Kennedy Musonda, the boy is banging in goals, huh? <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, Kennedy, but uh, we've got another very young talent. Uh, I, I'm not sure if uh, you've heard of Clement Mzize. Uh, very young. Uh, he's just 19 years of age. Uh, we were having uh, plans of uh, pushing him to in France. Unfortunately, the visa process a uh, bit delayed. He could not uh, get uh, the documentation, the visa on time, and uh, the offer slightly was uh, pushed uh, over to next season. So we've got these uh, couple of uh, young talents uh, within the club. As you mentioned, one is Kennedy. We've got uh, the other... The, our central defenders, brilliant. One of our success uh, in this season was uh, the build-up play from our central defenders. Uh, yeah, so we've got those talents that we believe. The only problem that I'm seeing that we are, especially from East Africa, unable to push uh, players to Europe is uh, most of the European clubs, uh, they were not looking in East Africa. Yeah, they were never looking in East Africa. So I think maybe with what uh, we had shown in this continental football would now start attracting uh, European clubs to start looking in East Africa, possibly. We'll, we'll block the road for them. We'll come first, we'll set it up, and then we'll give it. <laughs> <laughs> Francis is always getting his way. He's coming in and, and making sure he's there. <laughs> no, it, it's very, truly, it's been fascinating listening to you.
You said the 6th of August. I'm going to book a flight now. And you will be my guest, my brother. On 6th of August, I want you to witness oh. the path the stadium. Oh, I'm going to come. Uh, we'll definitely be there. Thank you very much. You're very much welcomed. I did hear we're invited to a party. And if there's a party, we're coming. You are. <laughs> but we have to bring Courtney Freeze, who's not here today, our resident football expert. But my question is going to be nice and simple. Um, we've got, I know we've only got a couple left before we have to wrap Arafat. But your coach, Nazaruddin Nabi, what is it that he he's obviously no longer with you, but what has he done that made the team so successful? For those of us in the continent who'd be just maybe having one eye on Tanzanian football, what is it that he brought that made this team win a treble in back-to-back seasons? Uh, well, uh, one, we should uh, give credit to Nabi. Nabi is a very good coach. He is uh, well-experienced in uh, African football, uh, continental African football. Uh, he he, he understands uh, the conditions of uh, our football in Africa. One of uh, his key attributes in oh, what helped uh, our team was uh, how he managed to motivate our players in terms of uh, the opponents, in terms of uh, which players should uh, fit in in which game, uh, and uh, being able to spend... Uh, good uh, time because and, and, and I maybe when you come uh, during our uh, on 6th if you guys would come I would also take you to our camping site uh, we've got uh, one of the best camping uh, site uh, in there very good facilities that helped uh, Nabi get to spend uh, good preparation time with the team getting to understand more of the players but we challenged him to make sure that he becomes uh, a history of the club by taking us uh, to the top level of uh, African football. And uh, as a rule of any good dancer, a good dancer knows when to leave the stage. So that's Nabi. Well, listen, I'm a bad dancer, so I never know when to leave the stage. <laughs> but I will ask one more question. Where would you like to see him land next? What job, what task, what challenge? Where, where would you like to see him go to? And may I also add, who would you like to come and dance after him? We have already started uh, looking for his replacement. And uh, in the course of next week, we should be able to announce who would be uh, taking the dance floor uh, in place of uh, Nasreddin Nabi. Uh, and uh, definitely Nabi deserves uh, to be uh, on top of... Uh, the top teams uh, in Africa. I'm sure with his qualification, his experience, he can coach any team in Africa if he's given time. You know, one of the challenge or problem that uh, we have been having in, uh, I can't say just Tanzania, but uh, in African football is uh, tolerance to allow coaches have enough time to understand their teams, uh, prepare their teams, uh, prepare their players, and we gave him that. Uh, there was a time there was huge, huge pressure on him, but uh, 
we as leaders we made sure that the pressure doesn't go to Nabi or his team we absorbed the pressure we relieved him of the pressure from the fans the members the media making sure that they don't uh, the pressure is not getting into them they get to concentrate uh, on their work uh, everybody wanted uh, Nabi gone uh, when we were about uh, when we we do against the club african during the uh, group stage qualification but we said let's allow him time let's give him time he is a good coach he can get us to the next level so that gave him confidence we trusted him he trusted us and we together managed to cross that hurdle and uh, went on to play the group stage and finally we played uh, into the final of the caf confederations cup Arafat an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you for the insight thank you for rolling with everything we threw at you you know this is a bry right and there's lots of meat there's lots of liquids whatever you like and there's just lots of good laughter and fellowship so thank you for joining us on the pod we're going to do our best to take you up on your kind offer to be with you at some point this year to see firsthand why yanga have been so dominant in Tanzania and why you're building a team to be successful over the continent. Alistair Francis always being with you, being great being with you guys um as an incredible front three. Arafat, we hope to have you on again soon and even more excitingly, we hope to be with you later this year. Good luck with everything.